Welcome back to season 11, episode 30 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Doctors of Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I'll be your host for the podcast. In this next episode, we will hear from Ivan Popuriev about something called physical AI. I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation. It's a brand new concept. Please join me as we welcome Dr. Popuriev to the DocSF stage. So my name is Ivan. Thank you, Stefano, for introducing me. I was at Google, and I feel much more positive about artificial intelligence than the speaker before. In fact, I feel so positive I quit Google and convinced a lot of my team to quit with me to start this new company called Archetype AI. We've been around only for one month, and we're getting up to speed with that work. And I would like to talk about what kind of things we're trying to build and why we feel positive about impact artificial intelligence would have on our everyday life. So I'll do a kind of obligatory slide about ChatGPT that I have a much more friendly outlook. I used to live in Japan, and in Japan, you know, when you read cartoons about the robots, they're all kind of friendly and cuddly and astro boy that helps you and, you know, wants to feel love and all that stuff. So I kind of see, I see this sort of view of technology which can help us. It can be our assistant that can support us and can be our friend. However, the problem is with ChatGPT, and this is something we who work in the physical space know for a long time. People who are building real-time working system with the sensors, and before uh, joining Google, work in Disneyland, Disney World, actually, not Disneyland, and they're building all these attractions, is that the LLMs and other models and generative AI, which is trained on the web data, is very, of course, impressive and can do a lot of cool stuff. But it's this certain class of questions and several class of inquiries, which is, is impossible to answer. It has no answers about your local context. It doesn't know how many people are in the room, what we're doing, who pays attention, who is checking email. We don't know who is leaving, who is still there. I cannot ask if my wife is still at home, if my son did his homework. The person who runs the store would not be able to ask what was the most popular product? Was there any accident? What time did they shut down? Should they shut down the store because nobody's coming? And so, so forth. Today's models have no context about the local world. They're very generalist. They can write you poetry. They can tell you about Napoleonic Wars, but they cannot answer very basic questions about your life, which is actually important to you. Because what, care, what we care about, even if we care about things happening everywhere in the world, what, it's what happens to us now what is important. So our company is on a mission to build a new kind of model. We are a foundational model company, and we're building a foundational model which will understand physical world. We call it, like, the easiest way to understand it is think about like GPT-4, but for the physical world, which understand what happens in reality and help you through your daily life. I'm going to talk a very, very high level. I'm not going to go into detail how it's going to work, but just general idea. And the basic idea is to build this model, which is going to be built in the same architectures, which have been used to build LMs, which transform made models and neural networks, where you can fuse information from the web, information which you collected from the web from in LLMs, which gives you general model of the world, both real and imaginary, with the real-time sensing data coming from devices around you, either through instrumented environment, which can be done in controlled environment, such as businesses, but also some of the home, but also devices you already have there. Of course, you should own this data, or hopefully this has to be your data. And combined together, you should be able to interact with this model in the same way you interact with a web. You should be able to basically use one merge representation of real world and the context created, taken from the web, conceptual model of the world, and use the same techniques you used for using the web. You should be able to index a physical world by yourself, 
something, for example, Google Maps does, but you should be able to do for your home or for your businesses. You should be able to query or search it, predict, simulate, and optimize. You should do. So once you have a simulator, you can optimize your future, what you want to achieve, and then automate to achieve results you actually care about. So everything should be done using the same interface, which could be you know, a search engine or, or sorry, the natural interface or gestures or any sort of information. And if you can do this, then fundamentally you can treat the world and treat the physical reality as a software. And you don't think about anymore if this is physical world or this is you know digital world, it's going to become one thing combined. And you should be able to treat it, as I mentioned, the world becomes like a, a part of the web and everything is merged together. And that's sort of high-level vision we're pursuing. Now, this is a big vision. The world is a big place. We're not trying to replace the entire world right away. So we start focusing on the very narrow aspect of what we're looking at. We want to understand some of the aspects of behavioral cues people behave in the world, right? And we're looking at the very, very simple things, such as, you know, awareness, where people are, engagement, what people are interested in, and action what people could do in the world. This is like a very basic gram of our interacting with the physical reality. And our thesis is that if you can be able to do this, you know, reliably at scale with, of course, providing all the safeguards for the personal data and the privacy and, and all the important issues like that, you'll be able to solve a lot of problems which are not solved today. And I'll tell you why it's not solved today. But working at Google, you have a privilege to talk to a lot of companies around the world internationally, not just in North America, but all over the place. And um, working in companies, I saw how much challenges and difficulties those companies have. And we saw that, and they came to us because we're working, like, just like Dr. Bini came to us with this problem, and there is no tools for him to solve this problem, to understand motion and more details. We have automotive companies coming saying, like, look, 80% of crashes and a lot of deaths happen because people don't pay attention. So can we stop distractions? Big property management came and said 60% of the real estate space is not used. So we're just wasting gigantic amount of energy on heating and cooling places where nobody is there. It's just a gigantic amount of money and the energy we spend there and you know CO2 and all of that. You go to the stores and have no idea what product is successful and what people are interested in, what want to buy. So 97% of the people who come to the store leave empty-handed because they couldn't find what they wanted and just not happy, right? So how can we optimize that? Security. I talked to a lot of security companies and saying like, if you just know in a house when there is a fire, is the grandma is still back in the room or she is out? Just doing that, you can save not just life of the grandma, but first responders who come in there, go through the burning house to save it. And by the way, you can also reduce the cost of the insurance, which you have to pay for the house. I'm not even talking about accidents and injuries. Well, a company, Sintas, who is the biggest producer of the rental clothing uniforms for the, for the businesses, was saying that, I don't know exactly numbers, I need to remember, but $60 billion is paid for the worker comps because of people work unsafely. They're doing dangerous motions. They build long-term injuries with the knees, which Dr. Bini didn't have to fix after this, and also so and so forth, right? So if we can add simple technology which prevents people from doing a safe motions, you can decrease the amount of money people in compensations and have healthy people. And this can go on and on and on. The, when I was working at Sony, you know, our devices became so complicated, right? So it just became harder and harder to use them. They have many devices in the world. In, in life, we have 50,000 remote controls. That's a cost in materials people are using to build technology. And just like it's a release that's going, going on, right? And the question was like, why it's never been sold before? Like, do we need large models to solve this problem? And the answer is yes, you need, because you couldn't solve it before without the previous techniques. Because in order to build solutions for any one of those problems, the economy of building those products, and I've built those products before many times, both at Sony, at Disney, and at Google, 
The economy of building this product just doesn't support it. If you think about building hardware, building software, manufacturing, reliability testing, compliance, then building application, application approval, privacy data, the back, and then updating, maintaining software over the time. As one of those companies, Apple, changes Bluetooth standard and all the devices stop working, I have to go back and redo the software. It's just the economy of using this scale would not support any of those use cases. Oh, oppositely, none of these use cases will allow you to build a dedicated device unless you're willing to pay $2,000 per one sensor, which nobody willing to. It's just not supportive. So the only solution to address all this long tail of problems people have, and with a lot of problems, which cumulatively in a long tail, wasting gigantic amount of money and energy and resources, is to build one model which can solve them all. And that's our solution. So once you build one model which solves them all, and then with incremental, very relatively small incremental cost of adapting this model for a particular use case, you can be very, very small. You should be able to deploy and address all this problem and really, really make significant impact on the physical world and make it better, more safer, more economical, cut CO2, cut the environment, and so on and so forth. And that's our vision, right? So, and it's like, like, for example, what can you do with this stuff? You can make all your devices in your hospital, in the home, work together as one thing to understand and react. You don't need to control one by one, but as you go through the room, it understands where you are, turns off TV, turns on air conditioning, turns on security system, stop the robot when you're watching TV and so on and so forth. One integrated system working together. We're actually working with companies like Samsung and Infineon to bring it to the reality. In the large spaces, businesses, which are, I'm not a doctor, but assuming hospital could be one of them, understanding how the business space is utilized, where are people going, where they're spending time, are they concentrating in one place, do you need this room, can they reuse it for something else? Understanding where people are paying attention naturally and making sure that information is important goes there, and not where you think it should be going. Accident prevention, somebody's stealing or somebody falling down or there's something happened and be able to report that this is all possible, should be possible with a single model. What's really exciting is when you combine those capabilities of real-time monitoring, real-time sensing with general data, but also personalized data of the patient and be able to give you real-time answer, give you like a super doctor which can talk to you and explain what you should be doing or not should be doing. That's also kind of very exciting. So this is kind of like high-level vision what we're trying to accomplish, and that really excites me. I'm very positive about the future of AI in solving real-world problems. And just maybe some food for thought, right? I'm not working in the healthcare business, but just what I see from the TV, these are some of the ideas I have. Can AI, real to physical AI, provide you real-time support during surgery? As you're doing surgery, the information being reported, not all information is given to you, but only most relevant information based on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. Can it look after patients? Can we have support? The nursing staff in the great shortage, can we improve quality of care by augmenting a nurse with a virtual assistant nurse? Can we make interaction with medical devices easier? I mean, this is one of the most complicated pieces of equipment. Can it help patients to recover after surgery and generally treat chronic conditions, guide them through the, and remind them and be kind of a coach to recover and live healthier lives. Can it run medical trials for you? Which is really expensive, as I understand, and one of the conversations there. And can we just build this kind of like a super doctor which can answer any questions about you and be helpful at any time and dramatically reduce cost of access to the high quality professional medical care? So this is sort of food for thought, and we would love to talk to you more, like to hear you more, because we're just at the beginning of our journey, and we are happy to engage with you and see if it can, something can be interesting. Thank you.
Thank you so much. I'm not sure you guys realize what a rock star Ivan is in his world. It's like having Miley Cyrus come to visit us for a few hours. So thank you so much. It was really extraordinary perception. It's a whole new world of application for AI. I don't think anybody else is doing this other than yourself. After the talk before, and you had this very positive outlook, right. I think in everybody's mind is, where do you think it's going with this whole AI thing? Are we going to be run the world run by robots anytime soon, or do you have a much more positive outlook? Because you've been working in this space for so long. Well, it's a complex question that really it's kind of a rather like black hole, you can disappear. First of all, um, yes, I'm working in this space for long, so I'm very cautious about predictions of how technology is going to unfold because in my past, I used to work in virtual reality in the 90s when it was the first time virtual reality. And the talk we saw before, you pretty much could see the same work in the 90s. You know, the virtual reality is going to come and people are going to turn into zombies and, and everybody going to wear the helmet and they're going to talk to each other and it's going to be horrible. And uh, there was a listening Congress about gaming, if you remember, in the 90s and how gaming corrupts the youth and, and everybody kills each other because of the gaming. Gaming is a problem, right? So I think there is a very natural and it's human tendency to fear the unknown. And I think the real impact of AI on their life is fundamentally, I think, still unknown. And... I think it's important that, as I mentioned before, when I was living in Japan, I lived in Japan for 15 years, the outlook on artificial intelligence there is quite different. And I think there's two dangers there, right? One danger is, as any technology, if it's not carefully used, it makes a mistake. And, you know, Chernobyl blew up without artificial intelligence, as you know. So this mistake can indeed have difficult consequences. But at the same time, the other danger is not using AI, and falling behind. Because you can see in the history of civilizations, cultures which tend to go kind of closed and stop progress, they end up being relevant. So I think it's a very careful balance not to scare yourself too much that you stop progress and try to kind of like freeze yourself in this stage while everybody else is actually moving full speed. Because as I mentioned through examples, when done right and done carefully and done with a sense for the real problems you're trying to solve, AI, I think, can be dramatic amplification for the humans and dramatic amplification of what we can do and really take us to the next level and help us in dramatic ways. So I think that's the angle I'm thinking about AI. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedist Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please share them. Share them with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. Mm-hmm.